And hello there, and welcome to episode 12 of the uh, Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast, comedy boxing podcast. How you doing, people? Uh, with uh, me, Garrett Mokler, and uh, my good friend, Richard Mills. Hello. How's it going, man? Yeah, good, man. Been, good. We've been away a while, haven't we? I, the reason is that I went to the Basque region up in uh, northern Spain for a couple of weeks. Yeah. For the sole purpose of seeing Orly Harrison. Oh, yeah, you talked about it last open time. Open up the gates and get chased by bulls. Yeah, how Turns, was it? Did you meet him? Fucking internet is full of bullshit. <laughs> There's a lot of liars out there. A lot Why? of liars. One, the bull running was about four months previous. Two, when I went there, the whole thing was shut down and there was just nothing going on. And three, just no signs of big A-Force getting chased by oh, a bull. Yeah. Which, to my mind, kind of ruined the whole holiday for yeah. me. So, uh, <laughs> I'd recommend I mean, so what, good what, in Northern Spain. What, what were you expecting when you read a story like that on the internet? You just thought, I'd take that at face value. Well, he's an Olympic champion. Yeah, it's true. It didn't seem that crazy at the he time. Lives in, he lives in California now, though, doesn't he? It's well, a he did. <laughs> it's a long way to go. To... <laughs> he certainly wasn't in Northern Spain. <laughs> him that. But, oh, uh, well, thanks thanks for that, whoever wrote that on the internet. You... No, lion bastards. But uh, anyway, yeah, welcome to the uh, Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast. So, um, comedy boxing podcast with their two yeah. big boxing we're, fans. We're, we've, been, we've been away a while, as I say. You've been on a holiday then. Uh, I've been away, very busy. Um, but back with a bang. Yeah, well, apart from the fact that I haven't really done much research. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen much boxing, but apart from that, I'm back with a bang. <laughs> so for this episode, Garrett's going to be the water carrier. For, yeah, mate, you're going to be the Didier Deschamps, <laughs> and I'll just be... You can be Zidane. Ah, uh, what are you, he's what the king? Oh yeah, the best oh, way to be. Right. Anyway, so it's easy. We'll uh, run over like the um, boxing news, and then as uh, for any kind of regular listeners, and then the big fights over the last couple of weeks and preview stuff. But um, anyway, should we get cracking? Yeah, mate. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, we're going to go over a bit of boxing news, yeah? That's yeah. Been going on. I think, the, what's the what's the first big bit of news for us, Garrett? Well, I guess the big uh, story, and tragedy, a tragic end to this year, that um, it should have been David Hay versus Heavyweight Totley against uh, Tyson Fury, but been called off. David Hay given more excuses. Fucking Captain Muck injury. <laughs> that man just fucking, fucking hates, <laughs> hates having a fight on time. Yeah. But um, anyway, pulled out. According to Tyson Fury... Get this Bollywood clown of a fighter back in the ring with Tyson Fury. That's his own quote. I like the fact that he refers Yeah, I didn't understand Bollywood clown either. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah, sadly. But it's been good news is, I suppose, it's been rearranged for uh, February next year, February 2014. Yeah. So I mean, back on. I mean, about the only bit of boxing news, oh, well... One of the few bits I did a couple of weeks ago was talking about how uh, how much in shape Tyson Fury was looking. <laughs> how Steve Cunningham had been part of the Fury training camp, which I was a bit surprised after their fight. I was thinking, yeah. those guys don't like each other. Best of friends, mate, in nice. the sparring. Yeah, but... I put it this way, I don't, it doesn't bode well that a long, hard, drinking Christmas for Fury oh, and his family. No. I mean... I don't imagine I, he's going to take that off. If I know my boy Tyson, he's going to think, oh, to hell with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have a right old knees up and... <laughs> And just come back, spark him out. Exactly. Just come yeah. back in the middle of January and be fine. But that's um, all right. And yeah, that was a bit sad. Uh, what else? George Groves. Oh yeah. That uh, split from uh, his trainer Adam Booth, so also the trainer of uh, David Hay. I did hear about that. I didn't, it, the reasons why were abundantly unclear. It didn't seem to be about. They both said it wasn't about money. Seemingly, it was about training issues, I suppose. Or maybe he's not getting the line. Maybe he feels that alarmless going back to David Hay. Yeah. But um, sadly, yeah. So uh, maybe he's just fed up of. 
Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to think of something off the top of my head, but um, yeah, okay. Well, that's something. Did you hear the interview with uh, Carl Froch? Because um... oh, I've heard a couple of things from Carl Froch. Yeah, he is... <laughs> and he's really not coming across. All right, you know, we, we always he's said consistent. That... Well, he's, given that. he's consistently got a massive chip on his shoulder. Oh. There is so, yeah. I'm going to, because I've got something written down here, a quote I read in being <laughs> interviewed, and a massive chip on his shoulder about sums it up. It's just, right, Carl Froch, uh, and this is a quote, he believes his status as a, and this is the quote, a massive international superstar. And he said that that is the reason for the impressive ticket sales for his fight. And here we go again, a quote. Boxing, unfortunately for him, is all about levels. And I'm on a totally different league, Froch said. He then went on to say, I've become a massive international superstar. <laughs> I don't know about us two. It's all about me, really. If George Groves was fighting somebody else, I don't think he would have sold out this arena in 10 minutes. Trust me. Believe me. This fight is ending in a KO. I'm knocking out George Groves in style. I've got no respect for George Groves as a person. He's not showing the champion, me, a four-time world champion, the respect that I deserve. He's talking very disrespectfully to me. It comes across as... You know, uh, Tommy, Joe Pesci, Goodfellas. That's the <laughs> yeah. attitude that he's got. He's got that weird, like the world's against him. And it, yeah. He really does. We always say he's got like bad PR, and he does. And again, I'm a big Carl Roach oh, fan. massive. But he just comes across as a bellend at the too, best oh, of times. No, it's a shame. But then again, you know, what he lacks in... Um, what he lacks in public, re- or, yeah, public relations yeah. and personality and charisma, he makes up for in uh, odd jobs around the house and <laughs> DIY ability. Um, Loves a bit of DIY. But then again, Marv- Marvin Hagler, he always had a chip and he felt the world was against him. B-hop kind of half yeah, felt the world. But they do it with so they do it with real... They're, they're a lot more likeable than yeah. Carl Froch comes across. There's a bit yeah. almost a... Especially with B Hop, there's a ah, oh, he's amazing. A, there's yeah. a real likability to him, yeah. but um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Carl's doing himself any favors. Uh, what's the other then big again, news? Again, people still love him, and he's probably yeah. is going to knock George. <laughs> out, <laughs> I mean, so. he did sell it out in eleven minutes. Yeah, but uh, what else? I guess a bit of sad news that um, the former WBC heavyweight champion Ken Norton, the Black Hercules, uh, sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago. Age, age seventy. Yeah, uh, died in uh, Arizona. I guess he's like most famous for his film uh, Mandingo. And a sequel, Drum, probably. 1975, 1976. Yeah, that's both. probably his big... <laughs> I mean, it wasn't his fight with fights with the likes of Ali and Larry Holmes Fuck or anything no. like that. I think right. it was a start opposite uh, Pam Greer. Really yeah, did so, it for me. so if, if you haven't seen his fights with Larry Holmes and Ali or anything, don't worry about it. Just go on YouTube and... Uh... Oh, this is my favourite quote <laughs> that you asked him about it. So he was like a big, tall, handsome-looking guy. really did look like um, Hercules. Right. And... Um, Someone asked him uh, back in 2000, so, uh, you know, your co-stars, because he was famed with, starting with uh, kind of beauties on the 70s, your co-stars, did you ever, you know, ever uh, romantically involved? Yeah. And he just uh, said, well, I kind of just looked to one side and goes, I did what I had to do. <laughs> he was a boy. I like that uh, fella. Gave him the dick. <laughs> <laughs> the nicest possible way. But also I hear that, um, oh, what, who's our um, cocaine-loving friend? Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's back oh, in yeah, rehab. Back in, I did hear that. Yeah, I read that he's back in rehab. He went, he went back into rehab just before the uh, Canelo fight. Mm. Yeah, apparently he was, um, yeah. Just getting back on the um, sorts. But, getting, um, getting back on the old bizzo, wasn't it? I know, which is sad for him, because um, clearly those demons haven't got away. But um, no. anyway, have we got any other news we should move on to? Because there was um, like a massive fight. Yeah, I've got some, I've got some news, have I? 
No. <laughs> no, I don't. Nothing really worth talking about. I'll save them. I'll save them, mate. That's the quality you're getting from the number one boxing comedy podcast. Still number one. Still right? number one. Anyway, yeah, let's uh, move on to the reviews because there there's so many to go over. All right. Okay, so uh, we're now into the review section, and as I said at the start of the show, we're a bit behind, so the first fight we're reviewing... It's from a few weeks back. Ricky Burns versus Raimundo Beltran. Yeah, so this was a lightweight division of fighting up in uh, Burns' hometown of Glasgow for uh, his uh, WBO title. And uh, before going in, I think we all readily agreed Burns defo taking this one, probably an easy... Easy victory. No, no. We, oh, we talked about it. So it was going to be a very, very tough, hard fight. I thought it was going to be... I thought he'd defo win and no, win went convincingly. I, but, uh, I thought he'd win. I thought he'd pull through. I tell, I'll tell you what I didn't think. I didn't think he'd get a horrible decision <laughs> a draw which uh, he just definitely should have lost. Yeah, so I guess for anyone who hasn't seen it, yeah, ended up in a draw after Ricky Burns. Well, yeah, what are your thoughts? Well, um, my first point I want to... Raise. It's not a massive thing, but I noticed Michael Buffer was there doing the announcer. Yeah, and I just, I just think it's a shame that when you get Ricky Burns fighting in his hometown up in Glasgow, why are we getting it? I know he's a massive icon in boxing and things, yeah. but why can't we just have got some guy with a real thick Glaswegian accent? <laughs> oh, just and no, seriously though. I don't know. Like sometimes I see. I mean, Michael Buffer. Okay, he's massive, a big name. You want to get people with, even in this country we know him but there's times I've seen two English like not big boxers but just good sort of English level British boxers going in fighting in England and they get not a big name American announcer but just some geezer with an American <laughs> accent doing the intro and I'm just thinking missed opportunity well no just why why that oh no idea my favorite thing about Bruce Buffer is his brother is Bruce Sorry. Buffer. <laughs> he's the, uh, uh, it's Mike Buffer. Michael Buffer. Yeah, he's he's got a brother called Bruce, and he also is in the announcing game, and he does it for the UFC. Oh, okay. Like, they're two brothers who've cornered the market. <laughs> Just announcing people in the ring. I love yeah, that. How much do you reckon, if anybody's out there listening knows how much Michael Buffer gets... For just what two two three minutes work, he's copyrighted the "Let's Get Ready to Rumble." That's it. Yeah, he owns it. one one would hope so. Money millionaire, but uh... okay, right. I've got I've got over that. <laughs> got my cut that off your chest. Yeah, I had to do it, mate. It, it winds me up. All right, I'm sorry to any Americans listening, but you stick to your announcers and we'll <laughs> stick to ours. Keep some Glaswegians up there for the Scots. That's what I say. Um, I honestly thought you were going to say Les Dennis. Would have been less Dennis. Would have been the choice. Would have been my what? choice. Well, <laughs> any American listeners out there, you're probably going to have to Google him. Yeah, you're probably going to be confused because he's not in Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, right. Um, right. Burns for me. First round, I thought he looked really good. Mm-hmm. He looked. He looked sharp. He looked fast. He used the jabs way. He was firing off three, four punch combinations. Beltran seems slightly surprised by it. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and then, but I did see Jim Watt, the uh, the uh, Sky commentator, when he was watching it. He said, "I don't think they expected Burns to be this aggressive, you know, because when you look at him, he's got that angelic face and look that really throws you off." And I was thinking, "What fucking angels is he looking at?" Because uh, last time I saw an angel, they weren't a skinhead covered from head to toe in fucking tattoos, mate, wearing boxing gloves. Um, I was like, "On Jim Watt." It's what this uh, his commentary reminded me most was that basically for after like round three once, uh, 
Burns started getting, putting on the back foot and the Beltran started putting the hurt on. Yeah. He got so negative. Like, instantly yeah, negative. Yeah. Like, oh, Burns, he's losing, yeah, he's doing it all wrong. Which maybe yeah. It's the Scottish... It's the way the Scots do it. What he reminds me of is anytime I ever watch my... Sat down with my dad and watch Ireland play football and Ireland are crap at football, I'm never going to win. Yeah. My dad really wants Ireland to win. But yeah. what, how he copes with that is by just going incredibly negative and then yeah. explaining in detail and doesn't stop saying they're the shittest football team of all time. It's yeah. that, it's that weird overreaction well, to well, someone who's not doing what you... It's like your son playing badly. My, like, my old man's Scottish, so I know, and he does exactly the same. <laughs> Scotland in rugby or anything, it's just like... Oh, generally pissing is... me off. I thought, how did you... Score? Did you have Beltran winning by like a mile or? Um, yeah, I had him. I had him comfortably winning. Comfortably, I can't remember the exact, but I I remember it going into like round ten, and I just thought Ricky Bones has to just knock him out because like he's he's. I think I had him down by like three or four rounds, even going into then. But what I didn't realize as you're watching, it, obviously, which you don't realize till the end of the fight, was that Ricky Bones apparently from round three on was had a broken jaw. Yeah. And you see some of the shots he was taking. So for that, you've just got to think, well, once again, Ricky is, you know... I, and he just he didn't look like he wanted to be in the ring after, like I think, what was it, round nine or ten or something? He just looked like he was going back to his corner just saying, like, his, his, his corner had to just keep saying to him, look, you're world fucking champion. It's what? It's another nine minutes. Just go out there and take it. You're, his, you're healed up. His corner and, was pretty fantastic and saying, listen, stop complaining. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, the old g up and, um, oh, do me a lemon. Oh, I've got a phone call interrupting the show. Yeah. But uh, I'll go on for a second and say that... Um, yeah, okay, sorry about that, guys. I had to take that phone call. To um, pause the show for a second. Yeah, it was uh, Floyd Mayweather's solicitors. <laughs> 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 calling up about that previous episode saying that um, we need to cut that shit out. <laughs> stop, stop creating fake uh, interviews with Floyd Mayweather. I'll so. say, recommend just don't, add, just don't answer the phone. Yeah. yeah you, to any you, lawyers. You fucking try and stop me, mate. You can't, you can't <laughs> prove we didn't have him on the phone. <laughs> you can't prove to me that weren't him. If he wants to deny it, that's up to him. <laughs> but uh, going back to this fight, I suppose, that um, what amazed me most, or what I was most uh, surprised at, was that... Burns just wasn't able to keep Beltran at bay. I thought, and, and these other fights. For the I know. Part, is, I but, um, was. I. It's. I mean. It sounds. Yeah. I was. Burns hit him with some cracking shots, and he just walked through it. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that he was tough, but at that age, I mean, I'm gonna end up with some more solicitors, but I reckon he's on something. <laughs> 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 I heard you kidding with no, him. Apparently, comes across as a really nice guy. He's... Oh yeah, Beltran. Yeah, yeah, came across really lovely. No, I, I, I feel very sorry for the guy because he, he definitely, definitely won that fight. And you know, I've, a lot of people in the in the business sort of tipped him for an upset. So look, he's a real seasoned pro. Yeah. he's been in there with some great people. And Pacquiao and, said, I think. Yeah, and there were quite a few others. <laughs> so it turns out Man, Manny Pacquiao might know more about boxing than Austin. I mean, oh, I, I reckon he got lucky. <laughs> lucky. It, <laughs> you had some of my picks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, again, it was um, bad luck for a Beltran. I think he, yeah. he definitely did enough damage, and Ricky Burns he was doing I mean, a lot Ricky, of holding. Rick, just Ricky, yeah, I guess it's, when you get a broken jaw, it can it can throw you right away off. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but proof, if you are out there, that if you do have a broken jaw, just fight through it. <laughs> you know, then you get a dodgy decision. So I did also hear uh, Ricky's uh, trainer, uh, Billy Nelson. Yeah. Um, after, I think it was after either the fourth or the fifth round, Ricky like, smiled at Beltrand after the bell like, went up mm. and they touched gloves. 
Um, and he'd been really hurt. Like he'd obviously already had the broken jaw and was was wobbly, looked bad. And uh, and as uh, Ricky got back to the corner, <laughs> Billy Nelson just leaned in and goes, "Don't fucking smile at him again." <laughs> first words don't you dare fucking smile at him um brilliant (laughs) the most scottish advice that's what that's what all the kids are told at school (laughs) from an early age (laughs) only kidding um but uh yeah yeah again it was uh should we move on to the next one for i guess which was the uh not just the biggest fight of the last couple of weeks but what we thought was going to be Maybe like the biggest fight yeah, of the year. Seth Mitchell versus Big Chris Ariola. Did you do that quickly? <laughs> you watch this. Oh, that's a great fight. Um, obviously, we were Garrett. You were you were lining up uh, Floyd and yeah. um, Canelo. But I will actually quickly talk about Seth Mitchell now with Big Chris Ariola. Um, oh, it, was, it didn't last very long. <laughs> it was over very quick. And uh, early in round one, Chris just nailed Seth with like a good shot and. Uh, Mitchell was all over the place. I've never seen a, a fighter try so hard to clinch and hold on. <laughs> like, 10 out of 10 for effort from Seth because, like, um, in the end, Ariola had to throw him to the floor in frustration <laughs> because it was just like, get off me! <laughs> um, but uh, Big Chris didn't have to wait long because uh, when Mitchell got up, like, just straight away, he's in trouble again. And, uh, yeah, just, like hit him and he went tumbling, spinning across oh, the Jesus. canvas. And like only reason he stayed in the ring was the ropes obviously kept him in there and the referee just stopped in and just went, like, oh. that's enough's enough. And you could just see from the even the the post the pre fight interviews and things, Seth Mitchell looked worried and Chris just looked like I'm going to do a number on you, yeah. mate. Yeah. Because uh, Ariola was going on this... Uh, I don't know how much of an underdog he was going in. No, he was a slight favourite. Was thought. it? Yeah, yeah, it was... yeah. No, he was, he was a favourite. Um, but I guess it puts maybe... him right back up there with the into the kind of heavyweight yeah, contenders. Yeah, he looks good, you know, because in the past he actually looked good and he... Mm. Yeah, he didn't look as as fat, but ah, oh, it's a brilliant bit after the uh, after the ref uh, stopped the fight. Right, uh, do you know what Big Chris's choice of celebration was? Well, no, uh, he jumped up on the ring post, held his hands up, pretty standard, and then he got down and he decided to do a Jurgen Klinsmann dive across the <laughs> ring. <laughs> uh, but as you'd expect from like a six foot two, two hundred and forty two pound man with a belly <laughs> doing a clinchman dive on a ring canvas doesn't look that graceful <laughs> so uh after he ground to a sudden friction based halt on the thing he decided well while i'm down there i'll just do a few press-ups in celebration. <laughs> so he just there did a few press-ups and got up and i thought nice one chris i, li- I do glad, like glad that to guy. have him back so uh maybe get him and a big um del boy chisora get them Lined up for a big old run. That would be a real doozy, I gotta say. I'd, I'd like it. I'd love it. But um, right, we'll go to the um, the big one. So, yeah. uh, so junior middleweight division had a catch weight 152 pounds yeah. for all Floyd's numerous uh, titles and uh, Sol Alvarez's numerous titles. So, um, big one in Las Vegas. Everyone was there. I'm sorry, Jack Nichols. Uh, I was going to say Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholson sitting yeah. in the crowd with Puff Daddy, who was clearly drunk. The oh. camera popped on the bench at one stage. That's a... Smile at the camera, holds up a glass full of whiskey. <laughs> that look of, I am wasted. <laughs> well, I'm having a time of my life. Did you say nothing, just hold it up? I am I'm so sure drunk. I kept seeing him on a couple of occasions, standing up, going mad, like almost like Frank Bruno style, but not... Not quite not, as good. No way, near as good. Nothing's as good. But, um, but uh, so yeah, for this one, that uh, as everyone, I guess everyone's seen it by now, but uh, Floyd taking on a fairly big landslide decision, apart from one referee well, who's yeah. insane. Yeah, one referee who, Yeah, but you see, for... I, I 
the first four, I don't know how you scored it, but the first four rounds, I had really close. I think I gave like the first to Floyd, the second to Alvarez, the third to Floyd, and then maybe the fourth back to Alvarez. And I had it kind of kept both, all four of the early rounds were like close. And, um, but after that, it just, yeah, it was just kind of a bit of a landslide. After about the fourth round, I think, I think Mayweather just kind of took the fifth and then he just went on to, to just dominate and... I mean, I had it that um, I saw it differently. I thought uh, Floyd took like the opening rounds, and I thought the reason was that um, it's weird. I always wondered why people don't try and bull rush him at the beginning of fights, and then watching this one, it just explained why. It was maybe like a minute into the first round, and Canelo came up and he threw like a jab or something, and Floyd countered with a big left hook, didn't hit, but just countered with an overhand left. One of the quickest punches I think I've ever seen anyone throw. It was just remarkable. And then seeing that, it was like, okay, that's the reason people don't do it. Because he's super fresh in the beginning of rounds, he's hyped up, he's still getting into his game, but it's, that's the reason you can't bull rush him, he's just too good. But um, again, his boxing skills on display, his defence was yeah. imperious. I mean, it, it was kind of a change-up. You kind of, I know people were saying that, you know, looking at it, why did why did Canelo choose those tactics to stand off? And I thought he, I thought he boxed. You Bear in mind, you're going in the ring with, with the best boxer in the business, the best fighter in the world. Yeah. And you go in there with a tactic that you're going to box with him. And I think Canelo did himself proud, certainly in those early rounds. I, th- I thought he he certainly, he gave, that was the least comfortable I've seen Floyd look in in a long, long time. I mean, as I say, after kind of the fifth, sixth round, it became a bit white. He got into his groove and he just, you know, he just he'd worked Canelo out. And, um, yeah, the, the difference really showed there. But... Um, you know, I, as I say, people people talked about I, after the fight and said, look, Canelo should have gone in more aggressively, should have applied, gone to the body, really worked up. And you can maybe say that, but I, I don't think it would have no. made much difference. As as you pointed out, he's, he's one of the most accurate and best counter-punchers out there. So, And he's got something uh, specific for this fight. I mean, this is the reason I stuck 150 quid on Floyd to win, so I woke up on uh, Sunday morning and couldn't watch it live because uh, I was still on holiday. But um, came back £50 up. Money in the bank, I loved it. But um, something specific that uh, Floyd does, no, that shoulder roll defence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect at eliminating the kind of big straight right hand, yeah. which Canelo is, is one of Canelo's yeah, but one best thing, punches. One thing I did notice about the... Um, if you watch the fight very carefully, especially in those early rounds, right, you're watching the fight, Canelo lands some really good shots, right, and Floyd lands some really good mm. ones. But when they show the replays after the round's over and they talk about it, they show Floyd's best ones and then they don't actually show Alvarez's <laughs> solid ones. They show the ones where Floyd's leaning back or, as you say, doing the shoulder roll. Yeah. And, I mean, as I said, it's a small point, but I just noticed that sometimes the coverage with Floyd in things, it can be a little bit... Biased, it can be yeah. a little bit biased. I know the times I've been hooked and watched it and you just, when you watch some of his fights and all the replays they show you are all of him just doing those, just evading all the punches slightly. And it gives the viewer the impression that, like, literally the other guy hasn't landed a punch. And, and you watch the round in, in real time, you think, oh, yeah, the other guy's landing some good shots. And then you watch that bit afterwards and you think, oh, may, maybe I imagine, maybe yeah. I just, maybe because it's in real time, I misread it and actually Floyd's evading it all. And, yeah, I mean... I'll say, one of my, <laughs> my favourite things about it was uh, round seven. And uh, it's maybe like a minute and a half into the fight. And uh, at this stage, Floyd is looking in pretty much total control. He's kind of cruising it. And uh, you ever seen the Bruce Lee film, Game of Death, the one where he fights mm. Chuck Norris? 
Mm, uh, no. they, they have this big, I know of it, yeah. uh, massive kind of fighting in the Colosseum in Rome, and uh, Bruce Lee starts uh, he's fighting away in these kind of old traditional style. After like uh, thirty seconds, he realizes I'm going to change up my tactics. He tries bouncing on the soles of his feet, yeah. And uh, Floyd started doing that, just like a minute half in the just started bouncing around, clearly totally comfortable. And you see, Canelo did the same thing, just like Chuck Norris does. Yeah. <laughs> he decides, I'll just copy that style and see if that works. Yeah, it doesn't work, mate. No, <laughs> you need, to, no, you need to have a better game plan. But yeah. um, I think you know Canelo's still a work in progress. But I oh here, uh, let me let me ask you this: that um, before this uh, kind of started, my reason for kind of betting on Floyd not only is he brilliant, but I thought in order for someone to beat him, what you need is someone who's completely <laughs> exceptional because he's completely exceptional. Is there? I don't think Canelo is quite in that league. He's an excellent boxer, but he's not quite that good. Is there anyone out there who's got? Any chance? Is there anyone out there who's got that something special? That's a kind of supreme talent that can no. do many. No, and that's why that's why I found the fight so disheartening because I genuinely do believe, and I still believe, even on that performance, that Canelo is one of a time. I, I mean, the only minor thing you might cling to, but I think it would be false, is the fact that it was a catch weight. But I don't think those two pounds made much of a difference if any. Not the end, no. Um, so. The question is, the only way I think Floyd is really going to be properly tested is if he steps up in weight and he starts entering into the higher divisions. But he's not going to do that. And I don't see why he should. Why should he put himself at a disadvantage? Saying, for I mean, me, it's not even something I'd really want to see. Do you want to see like an over, oh, overly yeah. heavy Floyd? I don't really want to see I'd prefer to see him at his best. If no yeah, but what's him. the point? We've seen so many times. I mean, who else out there, as you say? I mean... Th- the only other one person that I would, I genuinely, I, that's the other thing watching that fight, I realised there's only so much you want to watch him do that same thing. Yeah, it's amazing and it's brilliant, but I've seen him execute that and just, it, it becomes it becomes slightly boring, doesn't it? I'm still waiting for him to go Manny Pacquiao. There's no reason that fight still can't be made. I don't yeah, care how I, Manny yeah, Pacquiao is. And I just think, I think he would, I think he would, I don't think he would fight Manny Pacquiao at... I think he would make him come up to one five four definitely. Um, Maybe yeah. And I just don't see Manny. I just don't see Manny yeah. having enough to to trouble him. Sadly, it did come across as like a bit of a letdown, <laughs> even though we did get to see Justin Bieber and Little Wayne on the walk in, and Little Wayne is uh, one of the most quite un- funny, <laughs> one of the most unusual human beings I've ever seen. I've never so seen- strange. That Gen- generally, in he did. I've never seen that man with a shirt on. I've only ever seen him in sweatpants, <laughs> looking real yeah. thin, screaming shit into a microphone. And bending down. Oh, yeah. It's like a strange crouching thing, yeah. But I'll tell you what made me laugh. I heard a quote like a week before the fight. Um, it was Canelo's trainer, and he had these words of wisdom before the fight, and he said, you just have to stay calm. When you see those 30,000 people in the arena, stay focused. When you see him acting like a clown and getting in the ring with 30 idiots, just stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. There so, were a good 30 idiots. He really does. Have, one of the biggest bodyguards I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. there's been nonsense. Um, but uh, on the on the record of that one, unless, do we have anything else or should we move on? No, no I, think, I think that pretty much summed it up. It's just, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so on the on the card, and again, this is another bit of a letter because I thought this was going to be fight of the year as well. So it's uh, Danny Garcia uh, for Garcia's ring in WBC and WBA titles against Lucas uh, Matisse, who. I was convinced that, uh, or I was uh, confident, I'll say, that uh, Danny Garcia was going to take it. But um, I believe you were under the impression that Matisse was going to come out and do a better job than he... Well, maybe if the referee had stopped Danny Garcia from 
punching Matisse in the hips until he couldn't <laughs> walk. <laughs> I've never seen so many low blows just flagrantly let slide. Just again and again, shots to the hips. And I wonder if that had sort of... At, further down the road in the fight, you know, you could see that Matisse's legs weren't there, yeah. but that and a um, massively swollen right eye. Oh <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was a real game changer, wasn't it? That swelling yeah. in the eye because um, I, f- I forget the the round it happened, but you could see when he had that, he like Danny's biggest weapon is the left hook, and when no, it was it was Matisse's right eye, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when Matisse's right eye went, he just couldn't see those hooks coming, and Danny credit credit where credit's due. When he saw that weakness, he he pounced on it and he executed it perfectly and you could see the way he adapted because for me he was behind in the fight at that point and you see an opportunity there he did a smart sensible thing which you know some boxers don't always know when to capitalize like that but he and definitely did yeah he definitely did but um yeah it was a shame for me i i did kind of want uh matisse to win it because as you know i'm not <laughs> the biggest Danny fan slagging but, Danny Garcia yeah, off just, at every turn a, a paper overrated. champion I believe a well, paper champion <laughs> no but the other thing is Matisse kind of he kind of threw it away he came after the I don't know how the corner got rid of the swelling but it was they did a bang up job painfully when, really yeah, painfully <laughs> yeah but the just minute thumb the, in there and yeah, push the blood away the, like, the minute the minute they got rid of it you see the way he came out Matisse came out and he started dominating Danny again and he took the round and and he got right back. He took. He got right back in the fight, and then he just got a bit sloppy. Cause he was looking for a knockout. He was like, "Right, I've got my vision back." He'd he'd rocked Danny. He'd hurt Danny a bit, and he went flying in. Got caught with like a a looping shot round the back of the head. Was caught off balance, and then when he went to ground, it was like he was taking that that round, and he just threw it away as a ten eight yeah. in that moment. And that that was a, that was the crucial. Point. I guess like the question going in, and it's it, even now it's a bit hard to tell. But the question going in, I suppose, was whether or not Garcia's all-round game is enough to basically is his all-round yeah. game enough to beat anyone in that uh, division. And it turns out, well, it turns but, out it is because you know I look at it in some ways, and I have to hold my hand up and say, no, great, great job from Danny. He got in there and he got it done. And you can only do what you're asked. I there's still part of me that looks at it and thinks, you know, when Matisse's eye wasn't swollen, when he was when he wasn't getting hit on the hip again and again. <laughs> when he was there, you know, I think Matisse, for me, looked like the better fight. He looked like the stronger, more powerful fighter. And I kind of felt like, you know, Danny's just that little. He's still great. He, as you say, a, a brilliant chin, amazing mm. chin. And the weird thing is, like, Danny, early on, he kind of he thought, right, I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to negate the power. I'm going to go on the back foot. I'm going to try and outbox it. And it, that's not his style. He just didn't look comfortable with the, the, some of the earlier rounds, the tactics. And then I think it was round four, he thought, no, do you know what? I'm going to control... I'm going to control the centre. I'm going to use my jab. And he took the he took the fourth round. I think it was the fourth round. He took that more convincingly than yeah. than Matisse had taken any round. And he looked brilliant. And he was like, okay, like he's landing good shots. I mean, is the argument Matisse had took and took his foot off the gas a bit for that round? But anyway, Danny Danny exhibited some really nice boxing at points in that fight. And at the end of the day. He did what what you need to do. Yeah, it was, it definitely wasn't is the, a world class fighter. Yeah, it wasn't the explosive. I thought that was going to be like a real banger, and one of these yeah. guys is getting put down or getting yeah. knocked out, really. But um, again, sadly, didn't really quite live up to it. But um, no, it was it was it was a good fight. I thought it was it was good. It was entertaining. Yeah. I I know a lot of people were complaining about it, but um, 
Yeah, I and as I say, great congratulations to Danny. He he got the job done. Right. Uh, so, uh, what's the next one? I'll, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll run through these uh, too quickly. <laughs> Main reason for me bringing this up because at the end of last show, I was giving my predictions for what would happen, and uh, I think I was five out of six over this weekend of boxing. But um, anyway, it was um, Aisha Smith. Uh, versus uh, Carlos Molina in the junior middleweight division and apparently just a terrible, sloppy, ugly fight that uh, Molina eventually won by like a fairly wide points decision even though one of the judges for whatever reason gave it to Smith. So um, anyway, onwards and upwards for Carlos Molina uh, taking uh, Smith's IBF title from him. Uh, the other one as well was uh, England's own Ashley Theophane, welterweight division coming up against Pablo Cesar Cano. And uh, apparently this one's an absolute banger. I couldn't watch it, sadly, uh, again, because I was away. But, um, I couldn't either. Cause... But, um, yeah, apparently, like, a really, really close fight. And, um, yeah, Cano taking it with just as because that was my pick as well. But uh, just a I shout... don't think that was. Well, I, I think you went for fear fame there. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to spoil the illusion. Like, Cano's pretty young. He's only, like, 23. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah, he is. I he's, thought, like, 10 years younger I than... Um... Cano was a... No, no Theophane's... No, no, young. Theophane's, like, 35. Cano's, like, a... Uh... Sorry, the younger at the um, two. Right, I'm going to have to look this up while we're on. But, uh, I, th- I thought Cano was a seasoned... Didn't Amir Khan just face him? Yeah, he did. But um, again, yeah, he's a, no, he's a young guy, 23. But um, in any case, we'll move on to uh, another one because that was really just me bragging about the fact that I uh, picked the right one. Yeah. But uh, this one, <laughs> we love him. So uh, Del Boy, Derek Jazora. I'll just stop you. You are correct. See, Pablo Cesar Cano, he's, he's 23, mate. There you go, Cano, loving so. it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Del Boy Chisora for the vacant uh, European title coming up against Edmund, uh, German's own, sorry, Edmund Gerber. He's another Kazakhstanian. What is it with Kazakhstanians, Russians, Ukrainians? They all go, why can't Germany get some of their own boxes? I <laughs> <laughs> well, dumped him from everywhere else. Has he got Felix Sturm? He might be from, no, no, I'm no, pretty sure he's German. I think, I think Sturm might be about the only one. But uh, the rest of them, Marco Huck, the they're always trying to adopt the Klitschko's. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but this one, yeah, so Del Boy Chisora coming up against uh, Gerber for the uh, vacant European heavyweight title. Oh, and this Abraham, one. he's an Armenian. <laughs> he is Armenian. Again, yeah. another man who likes fighting with a broken jaw. Oh, yeah, he loves it. And uh, anyway, for this one, big shout-out to Del Boy because he pretty much just ran straight through Gerber. So, five rounds. Right, you say that, apart from, I think it was the... Was it? It was, round, a, it was round four. So round four. <laughs> Del Boy doing what he does best. So Bob and Weave and that kind of Joe Frazier style coming in, just putting the um, constant the pressure. On, in. Yeah, bringing constant pressure. And he on came Gerber. in at a career low of sixteen stone eleven pounds. I think he I looked think really good. Yeah, it's his, his career low and uh, looked really yeah throwing. And I have to say, there's some some funny as round three. He went absolutely nuts and just started throwing like. Four five punch hooking combos yeah. and but really wild and I mean really hurt and troubled Gerber but I couldn't help but feel like against a higher calibre of opponent like I mean these were wild yeah. these are like slapping <laughs> kind of like just throwing from about as far out as he could take the take the fist so uh, leaving himself wide open but when the guy's got the earmuffs up around his Head, you yeah, think, it's a bit like, more uh, adventurous. But yeah. uh, anyway, he got tagged and uh, Delboy got tagged around four. <laughs> and that man is clearly learning to go on his bike because he ran, 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 ran yeah, for 90 he, seconds. But he, he had me he had me fooled as well for a moment <laughs> because he started holding his hands up and things. And um, and when I when I saw it, I thought, 
maybe it's, maybe it's just trying to lure Gerber in. He's just he's trying playing possum, trying to get him in, and then he's gonna nap. And you realise when he he ran for about two minutes in the rounds, you think, yeah, all right, he was he was pretty shaky for a What moment. did you do? Because we stopped around five. Do you think the referee stopped it too early? Gerber didn't look at that much. He wasn't. Didn't nah, look like he was coming he didn't close to winning. Good. He didn't. He wasn't complaining. He just no. He wasn't throwing back. He had his hands up around his head. He was taking wild shots. He was just backing up. I think. I think the ref did the right thing to stop it. And Gerber wasn't complaining. You know, Delboy wore him down, broke his heart, and I think that was, took it. That was enough. I mean, you could have let it go on for the another minute or two but what's the point fair enough but um, yeah so good things for uh, Delboy hopefully he can come back and then oh, that one against I've, Chris Ariola is a genuine yeah I've also heard um, our dear Frank well I don't know why I'm calling him well I like him Frank Warren <laughs> 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 I'm not sure everybody does but um, him and Delboy get well he Frank came Warren out... still owes us a free subscription to Box Nation oh, I've forgotten about that yeah, which he, he never he, delivered on hey Frankie mm-hmm. you're on why mate <laughs> <laughs> um Send us in that free subscription, mate. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah. So he he started after the fight. He started uh, trying to line up a um, in light of David Hayes' brand new fresh injury. Started trying to line up Delboy with a rematch with Tyson in the just in December. That would be. That's a terrible idea because there was a real good chance that Tyson Fury would lose that fight. Yeah, get knocked out. Yeah. yeah, and then lose about seven million pounds of the process that he's going to get from fighting David Hay. Yeah, that's crazy. But I would give Delboy a real, real solid chance. I think so. I would almost, I'd give him as much of a chance. I tell you why because I think Delboy actually his style he does very well against the taller, bigger man. Mm. Whereas I'm not sure David Hay does do so well. I think David Hayes maybe got more power and is is quicker and is you could argue as well. He's got one massive overhand right, which is undoubtedly going to land clean and crisp yeah. on Tyson Fury's chin. Yeah. And I don't know whether or not Tyson Fury is going to get off from it. But um, anyway, yeah, we'll move on to so this last thing. The reviews are um, there are just so many fights. I'll run through this one quickly. So uh, I watched this last Saturday night. So um, uh, in English uh, middleweight division. So Billy Joe Saunders uh, fighting the undefeated John Ryder. So uh, fighting in uh, London. And um, really just absolutely kind of thrilling kind of middleweight clash. And uh, Billy Billy Joe Saunders making boxing history the first traveller to win, uh, what do you hold, to win the uh, British Lonsdale belt outright. But um, yeah, it was really close. I read like the next, I'd watch it like um, on the internet. What, what, looking at the reviews the next day and just first thing on like boxingnews.com or something first one was like John Ryder robbed absolute robbery you realise if you want to find just people on the internet are horrible people yeah, yeah. you just make up stories about Broadly all the actors when it's not even fucking on but, uh, <laughs> not only did they lie about Audley Harrison being there but what's they also that? lied about the day of the event oh, what else did they lie about was the one about um I'll well, tell you what else it might have lied about. That's uh, Roberta Duran having that fight against... Did that not go ahead? Well, I'm trying to find... I couldn't find anything about it. <laughs> I can find lots of stuff on the internet about the fight taking place, but couldn't find couldn't find any footage, couldn't find any results. Or... Absolutely travesty. We're going to have to get him back on the show next week and send us more letter if he's... Yeah, we'll ask him how it went. We'll write to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'll be finished now. But uh, anyway, yeah, so the one for Billy Joe Saunders, yeah, super close. One of those fights that's really, really hard to judge when it's 
yeah, there's just so much kind of action going on. But Billy J. Saunders, he's one of the reason I like him so much is does not the biggest hardest hitter. And uh, the reason he's fantastic is he's got skills where he delivers punches that other boxers just don't throw. Yeah. Another way that kind of Floyd has so many different range of punches in his arsenal that his counter lesson kind of over handle kind of left no, hooks he there. Looks, he looks very sharp, very quick, and I was very impressed. Yeah, him. but uh, I didn't see this fight, but his previous fights I've been watching. Yeah, definitely. and uh, yeah, definitely the, that one was the pick of the bunch. But uh, anyway, that'll do it for the uh, reviews because they've been like a whole lot of them yeah okay brilliant moving on yeah all right so uh next part of the show normally what we'd like to do is um our segment called didn't you uh used to be a boxer but uh, i'm going to change it up this week because um when i was on holiday i read a book by uh, there's an american author called john feinstein and i uh, read this book about uh, american footballers so i read that absolutely fantastic called next man up and uh, anyway started looking at what the other kind of books he'd written and he's written one called the punch which is the reason i uh, brought it up here it was one of the. It's, I've watched this um, online, but uh, just as, as in a boxing show, one of the most devastating single punches that anyone has ever thrown. That's quite a claim. Let me go into a bit more detail. <laughs> okay, so um, basically, there's. The reason I like this story is one incident that completely changed the lives of uh, two men. Just one incident. Uh, decision, one small little action. Okay. And just uh, two men's lives just going on completely different tandems. So uh, basically, we're going back to, uh, let me take you back to L.A., back in the 1970s, into the NBA. And uh, there's a fella called uh, Kermit Washington. and um, so a basketball player. Basketball player. So uh, he played for the L.A. Lakers in the kind of mid to kind of late 70s. And he was a big, tall guy. He's like six foot eight, like 240 pounds. Big, uh, strong dude. And uh, he was known as the, essentially like the enforcer of the team. And uh, his, basically, his job is to play like tough defense, set up kind of the hard kind of picks get rebounds and all that type of stuff and his real job was to protect the team's kind of key player who back in the 1970s if you're an NBA fan was the uh, Chamberlain no Kareem Abdul-Jabbar oh of course uh, so anyone who's a big fan of the films Airplane, Airplane. or Fletch <laughs> Kareem is in both of them and doing a fine he's, job he's got all the records doesn't he for like most points ever done oh yeah he's, uh, scored. He's... I think he went on to become like the NBA's all time leading scorer yeah. so uh, an amazing guy. he also fought he trained with Bruce Lee just a little side note, in fact. Yeah, he's in one of the Bruce Lee songs. And anyway, so... Which one? Uh, what the hell is it called? It's the one that never got made. Bruce Lee died before they finished it, and then they re-ended it in with actors who uh, looked like Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah, or in some yeah. scenes, literally held up a cardboard face. Which <laughs> <laughs> like a cardboard stand of Bruce Lee. I just yeah. like had the other actors talk around him. <laughs> and they come do, on to the next do scene. Do you know I've never ever seen a Bruce Lee film? They are. Not as good as you might have had. No, I know. I think, I think people would... I remember I worked with a guy and he was obsessed by him, always going on, amazing thing. I think I looked something up, I saw some clips on YouTube, I just thought, that is not as nearly as impressive as some people make If you out. see them when you're a kid, then you think... Because he comes across as sexy. That's the Bruce Lee's uh, biggest kind of... Sexy? Yeah. Before what Bruce Lee... Watch that before? Hang on. Before Bruce Lee, there was... I'm going to side down here for a second, but before Bruce Lee, there was no... Uh, Asian star on uh, like any uh, Western television or Western films that came across as having actual like sexual charisma. Bruce Lee is a good-looking guy who looks like he goes out in the street and gets laid when he's not punching people in the face. He generally comes across as really intelligent, or super nice. That's the reason that his uh, films are so good. He's got real charisma, but like a sexual danger to him as well, which... Mm, I would never would have... I thought it was just because he was really fast and kicked people in the head. No, lots of people can kick people in the head. Not Bruce like him. have sex with you. <laughs> I'm saying that's the reason. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> anyway, so, 
Well, go, come back to come back to this punch thing. Anyway, so it's 1977, and a fight breaks out. It's an NBA game between the LA Lakers and the Houston Rockets, and uh, a fight breaks out between Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and basically his counterpart on the uh, Rockets team, and um, a big scuffle. So, like everything's uh, going on. There's a guy, the captain of the uh, Houston team, is a guy called Rudy Tomjanovich, and uh, he's known as like a peacemaker throughout the team. Never really got any uh, any trouble. Washington, for his part, never really got in trouble as well. He's just done as a, like a top, yeah, top player, but never did the off the yeah. court. All right, nice guy. Anyway, so a fight breaks out, and uh, Tomjanovich just runs over to kind of break it up. Kermit Washington is standing there. He turns around, sees this Rudy guy, Tomjanovich, running towards him, and just like a haymaker from hell, just a big wind-up punch, and boom. boom Self defense. Listen, there's a quote. One of the doctors at the time quoted it to, as akin to getting thrown through a windshield at 50 miles an hour. The blow, so it took uh, Tomjanovich by surprise. It fractured his face about one-third of an inch away from his skull. It left Tomjanovich just unconscious in like a pool of blood in the middle of this, oh, in the middle shit. of the court. Some of the players, like Jabbar, like Lair, said it was like if you hit a melon, if you dropped like a melon from a great height onto concrete, that was the sound after he kind of delivered this punch. That. I've done that. And it's, yeah. I've thrown a melon off the top of a... Um... And just, what happened is, once he hit him, like, the whole place just goes into total silence. The sh- uh, fans were all kind of uh, terrified. Anyway, somehow, Tomjanovich, even though he had this, like, massive damage done to him, got up from this punch, bleeding from his face, his face all fucked up. He said afterwards that um, when he's walking towards the uh, locker room and he sees Washington in the, uh, just, you know, walking down the tunnel, and turns to him and goes, why did you hit me? And Washington says, listen, I, I thought you were going to hit me. I just protecting myself. And Tom Yanovich says, oh, why did you do this? Why did you do this? Anyway, you know, there's extremes, tunnel. isn't there? You can defend yourself or even punch, but it sounds like he, I don't know, from the sound of that punch, he must have thought, I really want yeah. to fucking end this, geezer. Oh, yeah, listen, from, besides from having like the bone structure of his face literally detached from his skull, he suffered a, a cerebral concussion, had a broken jaw, broken nose. He oh, was this leaking... horrible. I know, I'll, I, the reason I bring this up just because the details... <laughs> He was leaking blood and spinal fluid into his skull capsule, and then Tomjanovich said afterwards he could taste the spinal fluid leaking into his mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, insane. Shit. How did he get up? Is like the question. It's unbelievable. Anyway, so um, I was going to say that uh, sometime after the uh, he, some of the doctors were asked at the time and said, "Listen, we've seen people with far less serious injuries just not make it back." This was. Insane. Anyway, the doctor who taped him up, or sorry, the doctor who kind of fixed him up, said it was like taped, taped him up. Well, he said it was like taping back together like a shattered eggshell. That's what his skull was like after this blow. What, they used tape on it? Uh-huh. <laughs> but listen, so anyway, that happens. And again, Washington, for his part, was just, I thought I was just protecting myself. They replayed that on TV later on that night, except the only clip they had of the action, because they normally like turn the cameras away when there was like a scuffle going on, or at least they did back in the 70s. The only replay they had was literally the clip of Yanovich running in and Washington turn around and delivering this punch. So it completely looks like he soccer punched him. Yeah. Right. So this is where their lives completely uh, diverge. Tomjanovich pretty much never recovered. He, that's not true. He recovered from the injuries, but never enough to... To play basketball. Play basketball again. So that's his so career he dog. couldn't wear like a, one of those hats like Peter Cech wears. Well, no, this is back in the 70s. Didn't have those. Didn't have none of those, sadly. And um, anyway, for Washington, for his part, within two weeks, he gets uh, thrown out of the... LA Lakers team loses contract he said his wife was pregnant at the time and um, so they lived like a nice house they were like big fans of like LA his wife was pregnant at the time with their uh, next child her yeah. doctor who was a big Lakers fan trained around and goes hang on is your husband that Kermit Washington guy yeah. yeah yeah I'm not seeing you anymore get the hell out of my office I'm not going to treat someone whose husband could act that way 
He instantly... That's, oh, that's awful. It's, yeah, from... How can you take the moral stand of a doctor and say, I'm not going to help an innocent child or a, or a woman who... A pregnant woman. Part of it. This is... He became like an instant pariah after this punch. So, basically, for the rest of his career, he was um, got dropped from the Lakers, went off to, like, another couple of uh, teams, could never, like, hold down, like, a full-time... Were there not some... Sorry, I hate to go back. Yeah. <laughs> but were there not some repercussions for a doctor who did that? You wouldn't be allowed to do that in this day and age. You can't force a doctor to treat someone. If they could, like, just, say, leave them from our practice. It's well, less... I guess, I guess it's different, you see, in this country of NHS. If you refuse treatment on somebody based on a relative, that wouldn't be allowed. You'd, you'd lose your job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. since it's, like, private in the um, States. But, um, and again, they were essentially, like, handed out of uh, town. So you got loads of letters, as you might imagine... Kermit Washington's a big six foot eight, like a um, black guy. Rudy Tomjanovich is a smaller white guy. Mm. One of the, I mean, this is like the NBA back in the seventies when there was massive racial divide. Racial it was, was real, awful. Yeah, sixties, seventies were. Yeah, it was the league was viewed from. There's some uh, documentaries you can watch on like ESPN about these things, and um, the the league went in the course of, like twenty years from being like predominantly in the fifties all white because obviously yeah. they didn't allow black players to play yeah. in the seventies to being dominated by. Um, uh, black players and uh, so lots of the fans were like oh our league's been taken over all this kind of bullshit racism and uh, anyway this gave him an opportunity just to unleash torrents of this against Washington so anyway gets kicked out of the Lakers joins another team lasts there for like 30 games quits that one has to kind of move on basically has to move around the country trying to get you still a good basketball yeah, yeah, player yeah. but um, it's eventually like, the police are warning listen when you're in a hotel playing for these games don't get room service there's a real good chance you're going to be poisoned <laughs> and um, yeah yeah just like absolutely insane and uh, that was it. That was uh, how their lives completely diverged. So they were both just fucked, basically. Tom Yanovich came back to be a coach and came back to be the Houston Rockets and was always held in like a high regard and had massive sympathy. Eventually, he kind of coached the Rockets to two like championships. So he turned out to be like an amazing. Oh, player. in the uh, would have that been in the mid nineties? Yeah, in the mid nineties. Oh, okay. And uh, but um, with Akeem Olajuwon. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, Washington, for his part, yeah, again, joined played for like the Celtics for a little while. Last there for like a 30, uh, only for like 30 odd games, and then essentially just yeah, his career kind of petered out. Mm, and uh, yeah. since then, he said, Listen, to this day, he's tried to get like go into coaching and says, Coaching jobs still don't come my way. People look at me and go, You're the guy who threw the punch, and yeah, that's it, just like a complete devastation. Yeah, but he must have, I mean, the way what he always said is, Listen, I'm never meant to hurt the guy, I've never done anything like that before in my career. I was seen as like an enforcer on the court, but that's how I play basketball. The people who knew him beforehand said, this is a lovely guy. You sit down and talk to me. He's fun, yeah, he's yeah, jolly, yeah, yeah. all that kind of good stuff. Never had any issues yeah, the inside only or outside thing the court. Never before. The only one minor thing I'd say to, to throw, unless he's just literally Superman, I mean, to throw a punch like that, that's not, that's not really... You'd have to actually want to really fuck somebody up to land a punch. Oh, sorry, he's six foot eight and 240 pounds. Yeah, but there are plenty of... Big guys out there. Well, look, boxing... Well, I guess they're not throwing... Well, the weird thing is, you can, you can look at this punch online, and I guess, like, I don't know, people like I am... Maybe this guy you hit just had a really weak I gotta, skull. i got to say, it isn't, <laughs> the, it isn't the strongest punch when you watch it live. You know when right, George yeah. Foreman knocked down Michael Moore? <laughs> okay. It's similar to that. It's not right. like the type of punch you'd imagine to do that much damage. It's uh, Okay. But anyway, yeah, their lives... Yeah, I, well, that's a shame. Sounds like... Uh, I mean, I'm going to say for a comedy podcast, it's not that funny. Right, <laughs> no, it's quite... But um, anyway, yeah, that was uh, the punch, the most devastating punch in a sport in history. Well, there we go. There Happened go. on NBA basketball. Good pitch. to know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look that up now. Yeah, I'm gonna. Well, for next week we'll go back to or the week after we'll go back to where uh, didn't you used to be a boxer? Have you got any ideas? Yeah, because I'm reading a book at the minute of uh, 
I'll, I'll tell you next week. Oh, okay. All right. We'll look forward to that. Mm-hmm. All right. So in the last part of the show, we're hoping that uh, Richard will have some bit more pep and burr. But a sparkle to the show, get it upbeat and going. Yeah, sorry, mate. I've been, uh, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, yeah, I haven't had, I haven't had that much uh, access to boxing the previous <laughs> three, and I've, I've had a tough week. I won't lie. <laughs> Quite tired, but you well, let me write to Roberto Duran about that's it. That's it. I'm a bit down because he hasn't been <laughs> writing back. I've been in contact with Roberto. Better a tragedy, right? Anyway, for the last part of the show, we'll run through these um, quick because we're uh, run a bit long. But it's um, the upcoming fights to look we forward to. We always run long. <laughs> you always run long. But uh, so the upcoming fights to look forward to for the next couple of weeks. So, um, what we start off with? So, uh, next Saturday, this Saturday coming, so the 28th of uh, September, it's going to be uh, light heavyweight division. So, Adonis Steven, uh, sorry, Adonis Steven, Adonis Stevenson, Stevenson, who's the champion after knocking out uh, Chad Dawson, coming off Tavares Cloud, who in I. 50 seconds, who knocked him out. Well, it owes me money because I bet on Tavares Cloud to beat B-Hop. Ah, oh, you, you committed the cardinal sin. Never bet against B-Hop. It's one of those things he I has to I never bet on him either. <laughs> <laughs> which I learned, which I learned to my horror when I bet on him ironically against uh, against the guy Adonis Stevenson beat. So Chad Dawson. Yeah, yeah, I bet on him. And the annoying thing was, not only did I lose twice, I bet on him on the first time, the first match when he did that gammy oh, shoulder yeah. injury, and I went on Landbrooks and they went nah because it was uh, it was ruled as a no contest and you don't get your money back. <laughs> no, I was like, you son of a bitch. And then so I bet on him the second time. And he lost, so mm-hmm. <sighs> never bet against him and never bet on him. <laughs> to steer clear of the executioner. Clear. Just sit back and enjoy his press conferences, mm-hmm. interviews and boxing masterclass. Wise words. But uh, so anyway, Stevenson uh, coming into this, what is his record? Like 21 wins and uh, just the one loss. He got like 17 uh, knockouts, but he used to be like a super middleweight, but now he's stepped off to uh, light heavyweight. But uh, anyway, it should be a good fight against um, Tavares Cloud, who... Yeah, isn't as good as I thought he was going to be. So um, well, that should be close. Well, you can't really judge it on a performance against B Hop, can you? Well, I can try. <laughs> and, the um, and as uh, B Hop would always say, uh, Tavoris Cloud is uh, Don King's last one shining hope. <laughs> He's the only <laughs> boxer on the roster. He's this, and uh, the best thing when he watched that match was watching how B Hop said he was going to end Don King. I'm going to put him to sleep, put him out of the game. This is his last hope, and I'm going to end him. I'm going to shock the world. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, what else is coming up? So we've got uh, the uh, super middleweight division on the same night. It's uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Who, Son of the Mexican legend. Yeah, who's clearly been the pies. You can look these pictures up online. That boy's oh, got like, real fat. Uh, anyway, he's lost to trim down a couple of stones. Literally a couple of stones. It's amazing how... No, because I was before... This fight got postponed, didn't it, due to an injury? Yeah. It was meant to take place three, four weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, but I couldn't believe... Like, I saw some pictures of... Um, Chavez like sort of a month before the fight yeah. and as you say just pies looked shocking and then like three weeks later he looked really in shape I was thinking how's he, how's he done that? <laughs> the weird thing is he's quite a good athlete if he oh, yeah. trained yeah, incredibly yeah. hard but he clearly doesn't in any case I mean Vera the guy's fine so he's coming up against Brian Vera who um, he's like 23 uh, wins and like uh, six losses Vera's coming in as like a massive underdog I think he's won um, like four straight since he lost to um, Arden's own Andy Lee. 
uh, back in uh, 2011. And he's basically known as this kind of durable, tough scrapper who can take a shot and basically doesn't back down. Yeah. And um, again, Chavez, he does have power, so he's one of those... That should actually hopefully be a good match, because yeah, Chavez comes so. in... I think Chavez should get a job done, but as um, listeners will know, whenever I say things like that, it mm-hmm. usually goes the other way. I'm genuinely tempted I, to put a bit of money on Vera to take that one. but um, Really? No. It's, that it's hard to know a Chavez when he's actually going to show up and do a proper job. And so well, I, I think I think after no, I think he no, I think he's going to do a good job. I know he's been out of the ring for a while, and there's a chance of an upset. But I mean, he should. He's a better boxer. But um, again, I, I just love power, and he has all that. He has love that. an underdog. He's, he's got it in the blood, isn't he, mate? Uh, and well, yeah, <laughs> not as much as his dad. But no, uh, but it's always filtered down to me, isn't it? <laughs> children. Always gets weakened out when you crossbreed. I've, I've heard that his mum's not all that, <laughs> not that tough. You see, with Roberta Duran, his mum was she, she was tougher than him. So I'm so. Whoa! That's the phone broken. And uh, what else? So in a couple of weeks' time, there's going to be um, solicitors can't harass me anymore. <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time, there's going to be uh, Miguel Cotto coming back in the ring. Uh, so, junior middleweight division, this time he's coming up against uh, Delvin Rodriguez. Oh, wow. Can't wait for that one. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the... Um, basically, Rodriguez is like a fringe junior middleweight contender. Not like a bad but, um, boxer or anything, but his record is like 20... He's already had six losses on his record out of like almost 30 fights. Yeah. But um, hopefully, Cotto, I don't know, Cotto's still young. He's like 32 or something. Uh, he's getting on for 33 and he has been smashed up by plaster bags. <laughs> he's been in a lot of wars, mate. He's not a young... 32 or a young 33. He's very a, true. He's a very old. He's a. That man's been through some pain. Real pain. But uh, no, hopefully. I think, no, I don't think he's got any other. I think that's just. Do you reckon he's waiting for another. Beginning of the end. Do you reckon he's waiting for another big payday? No. Well, I think he can get another big payday against. I don't know. Maybe. I'm trying to think. Who, who could he go for? Uh, could maybe get one against away. Alvarez. He could get a yeah. big payday. The old Puerto Rican Mexican rivalry. A I, couple mean, of years I don't ago, think he would that. win. I don't think he'd win. It would literally, and I don't think he'd believe he could win. I think he'd be taking it just as a big. Yeah. As you say, two two years ago, oh, that would be a right fifty fifty doozy. But um, probably have Cotto as a slight favourite a couple of years ago. Yeah. But times have been hard, tough. Times have changed. But uh, anyway, right there, next one. So. Uh, if anyone who likes heavyweight division, you're going to see uh, Vlad Klitschko coming up against Alexander Povetkin, who is somehow like the number one contender. I'm pretty sure this guy... I mean, he's got a record he's... 26-0, but I'm not convinced by Povetkin. I just don't give him a chance. Vlad is... I mean, yeah, I know he's not popular and he's boring, but I mean, he, this is, is, he is very good. Yeah, I mean, this is the reason I brought it up. Apparently, uh, Vladimir is going to be getting close to like $18 million uh, for this fight, and Povetkin's going to receive something like six. So um, considering Povetkin's best wins of his career, it's like Eddie Chambers and Chris Bird and Marco Huck. You know what Marco I mean? Marco Huck's not even a heavyweight, exactly. he's a cruiserweight. So, uh, I mean, the size difference between these two, Vladimir, is just a... There's no chance of Povetkin winning that. So, I don't uh, see it. I mean, Vlad, I think those... Uh, yeah, those those days of him getting knocked out... And mm-hmm. I think he's managed he's ironed out those yeah. those flaws and problems, and he's a far better fighter boxer now than he was back then. But yeah, absolutely. It's it's and, uh, hard to imagine anybody being able to beat him apart from Tyson Fury. <laughs> Come on, Tyson! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the last one, I guess, just uh, quickly. So this one, uh, fighting in London, featherweight division. Uh, Lee Selby, who's known as the Welsh Mayweather, 
16 wins. Who just knows a, him as that? I think he, he knows him. <laughs> 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 but uh, he's going for his uh, third successful defense of his uh, British featherweight title. So uh, anyway, coming up against the uh, unbeaten Ryan Walsh. He's, uh, again, 16-0. So um, it's basically it's a bit of a step up for Ryan Walsh in class. But uh, nonetheless, two, if he's unbeaten, you never know. Good chance, uh, but uh, that one should be uh, good. Nah, but, uh, I fancy Lee in that. Yeah, you'd have to. But, uh, big big favourite, surely. Massive. Uh, why not? But again, unbeaten fight, you never know. But uh, anyway, yeah, that'll wrap it up for the uh, previews. Un- next untested weeks. fighter. And <laughs> 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 All right. Right, so uh, we're coming into the uh, last part of the show. Just a quick recommendation, then we'll wrap it up. And uh, just because we were talking about him uh, earlier on in the uh, podcast, go online and type in Bruce Lee interview with Pierre Burton. And uh, Burton is B, just B-E-R-T-O-N. And uh, basically, this is one of those interviews that Bruce Lee gave in the kind of uh, early 70s. It's shot in black and white, and it's this kind of... American interviewer just having a chat with Bruce Lee. This is like the first Asian he's this interviewer's ever had on the show. And it's supposed to be like a bit classy so the interviewer's like smoking a cigarette and just asking him questions. And he Bruce Lee just unleashes his philosophy about life and how he sees himself and his training. And you'll it's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Okay. He comes across as well the phrase, be water, my friend. Be water. That doesn't make any sense <laughs> now, but watch, watch that interview. You'll absolutely uh, love it. But, uh, right. yeah, fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's only like 20 minutes long or something, but Pierre Burton, Bruce Lee, check see, that out. The trouble is, when I watch that now and he says that, be water, all I'm going to see is your big Irish face <laughs> looking at me <laughs> and holding your hand out like that and saying it with your Sligo, <laughs> slightly half-American, Canadian, Irish mm-hmm. accent, and I'm just going to think... Mm-hmm. The love. Oh. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that'll wrap it up for uh, this week's show. Um, is there anything else we need to do? No, nah, do you want to give it? No, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Let's look not it up on. Let's not. <laughs> Let's do a bit of internet research. You'll find no, us up on Twitter. No, I don't think you will. Mm? I I tested that out, mate. We're still. Are we not be able to find us on Twitter? No, we got to give this shit out. <laughs> uh, okay, right. In which case, you read it out. Okay. <laughs> It's good to have me contributing something towards this <laughs> this week's episode. Okay, if you want to get in contact with uh, Garrett or myself, you can uh, visit our Twitter. But <laughs> 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 it's almost worth starting this again, isn't it? Um, Twitter, we are at twitter.com slash punchdrunkpod. Um, you can also check us out on uh, Facebook um, at Punch Drunk Boxing Podcast. Yeah. Um, we have a group there. If you've got any questions, as I say, I'm hoping we will get Roberto back on the show with some advice. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, Richard some poppers next time. To, poppers? Not poppers. What am I thinking of? You're Amphetamines. Amphetamines. Mm, or maybe just a line of blow. <laughs> no, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> get me banged up like Michael Nunn. <laughs> You should write to Michael Nunn. Oh, we really would. And should. you should bring up, we should bring up, we're going to re-talk about the Freddie Roach eyeball oh, yeah, yeah. story. Freddie Roach has a story about when he bit somebody's eye out. Um, Just still legendary. Yeah, which is, I still don't believe it, but... Mm, it's yeah. good, but uh, anyway, yeah, that'll wrap it up for this week. All right, All right. peace. Peace.